this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. If Christ did not rise from the dead, there is no good news for this weary world. That's the reality. If Christ did not rise from the dead, we have got nothing good to look forward to. The best we can look forward to is a continuation of the craziness that has been human history. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of 1 Corinthians. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 35 through 58, in a message titled, The Image of the Heavenly Man. Now, here's Pastor Brian. So these final verses of this 15th chapter, uh, I mean, the 15th chapter itself, as, as we've already seen, is just so, so profound. And as, as I was you know, looking over these verses yesterday and meditating on them, and I've been doing that for a while, I just found my heart just getting so thrilled at what Paul is talking about here with the resurrection. So as we have seen all the way along our journey through this letter to the Corinthians, they, although real Christians, were unduly influenced by the culture around them, and as a result, failed to live in the fullness of the gospel of Christ. The final example of their folly is seen here in their denial of the resurrection from the dead. This denial was rooted in the ongoing influence of Greek philosophical ideas that they were enamored by. And we've seen this over and over as we studied this epistle. They were very much attracted to the philosophical mindset of the day, and they also had a deep desire to be accepted by the culture at large. And that just shows up over and over again in this letter. And that brings us to that quote that has been referenced many times over through the series. I have not yet quoted it, but I'm going to do it today, the Leslie Newbigin quote, because it is so, it is reality. It is the issue that the church is always faced with. The choice for the church in every age will always be, will our identity be shaped by scripture or by culture, by the biblical story or the cultural story? And as we've seen, the problem in Corinth was that they were allowing the cultural story to have a greater influence on them than the biblical story. If we allow, as the Corinthians were doing, the cultural story to influence us more than the biblical story, we will always be spiritually impoverished in the end. If we, like the Corinthians, were to reduce our belief in the resurrection to anything less than what the Bible claims happened with Jesus and will also happen 
with us who believe in him, we lose. Now, lest you think that this was just something that they battled with, listen, this is an ongoing battle. In the church today, there are people in high places in churches, denominations, who deny the physical resurrection of Christ. And these kinds of ideas that, again, are influenced by philosophical perspectives, these ideas tend to just eventually make their way through much of the church. But when we embrace any of those ideas, as I said, we lose. And not only do we lose, here's something that is so important to think about. Not only do we lose, everyone loses. Because if Christ did not rise from the dead, there is no good news for this weary world. That's the reality. If Christ did not rise from the dead, we have got nothing good to look forward to. The best we can look forward to is a continuation of the craziness that has been human history. And so if Christ isn't risen, there is no savior to rescue us from ourselves. There is, in the end, no meaning purpose, or point to life. That's how significant, that's how radical this teaching is. If Christ didn't rise from the dead, then Paul said it, we are of all people the most to be pitied. But really, all people would, would need to be pitied because, again, it would mean that there is no hope. But the evidence all points to Christ having indeed risen from the dead. And as Paul says earlier, that he has become the first fruits of those who rise from the dead. And remember that first fruits, that is, that's a reference to a Jewish feast on which one sheaf was waved by the priest before the Lord And that one sheaf was a symbol and a promise of the whole harvest that would come. So the resurrection of Jesus from the dead is the promise that we too, who trust in him, will rise from the dead. Now, pastors John and Chart did an excellent job walking us through Paul's arguments for the resurrection in the first 34 verses of this chapter. And so if you were here, you know what I'm talking about. If you weren't here, I would encourage you to go to the website, cccm.com, go back and watch those two teachings, and that will tie everything together. Because, of course, we're picking up here today in verse 35. So in verses 35 through 50, we come to Paul's explanation of what this mind-boggling... This is a thing I I want us to, to grab hold of today. Sometimes we can get so familiar with the things of the Spirit, so familiar with the teaching of the Bible, 
Oh, yes, Jesus rose from the dead. Sometimes the profundity of that escapes us. I mean, this is mind-boggling news. It's so mind-boggling that people think it's a myth. There's no way that that couldn't have happened. And the Corinthians have fallen into that particular trap here. And so in these verses, Paul is explaining this mind-boggling event of the resurrection and what it will look like for those who have trusted in Christ. And so in verses 35 through 44, Paul answers Corinthian skepticism and sarcasm with a lesson from nature. Look at verse 35. But some will ask, and I think we can understand here that they're asking sarcastically. They're asking in unbelief. They're asking with the presupposition that everybody knows this kind of thing could never happen. And so, but someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what body will they come? Paul's response, how foolish. So there's a little back and forth here between Paul and his audience. How foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined, and to each kind of seed, he gives its own body. So in other words, Paul's saying, this idea that you just think is completely beyond reality Paul says, we see this all around us in nature. So he's wanting to show them that this isn't as far-fetched as they might be thinking it is at this point. Because just look around. Look at nature. We see that what you plant, the seed that you put into the ground, is not what comes out. And so he goes on in verse 39. Not all flesh is the same. People have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies, but the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind and the splendor of the earthly body is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, and the stars another, and star differs from star in splendor, so will it be with the resurrection of the dead." The body that is sown perishable, it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. Now, remember the Corinthians, these former pagans, these Gentiles, these idol worshipers, they're not the first people to have a problem with this idea of the resurrection. Remember the group known as the Sadducees. The Sadducees were kind of the counterpart to the Pharisees. And in the situation, 
during the time of Jesus, both of them were religious parties. One was a conservative religious party, that was the Pharisees, and the other was a more liberal or progressive religious party, that was the Sadducees. And the Sadducees did not believe in a resurrection. And remember, perhaps, that story where they come to Jesus and they bring this hypothetical situation about this woman who marries this man, and then the man dies, and then she marries his brother, and then the brother dies, and then she goes through seven brothers. And so they're trying to show the absurdity of a resurrection. There can't be a resurrection. It would create so much confusion if there was a resurrection. For example, who would she really be married to, having been married to all seven of them? But Jesus said this to them. He said, you err greatly because you do not know, number one, the scriptures, and number two, you don't know the power of God. And you know, I would say that those questioning the resurrection today, those doubting it, those insisting that, you know, this isn't really a real physical resurrection, this was more just a spiritual kind of a resurrection or just an idea of resurrection that we're to embrace, those people do not know the scriptures of the power of God. And so Paul just walks us through this journey, in a sense, through some natural examples of the resurrection. You plant a seed, it goes into the ground, it dies, and then a body springs forth. The body is not like the seed, although there's a relationship. You know, we've, we've probably all done this. We've probably all planted some sort of a bulb or some sort of a seed, you know, where you, especially like a bulb of a nice flower. You know, you look at this thing and it's just so like, this, this is going to be a flower? How is that going to happen? Well, Paul's likening our current situation to what is going to be in the future. You look at us now and you think, well, how could this be, this glorious thing that's being talked about here? Well, in just the same way, that bulb can be uh, transformed into a glorious, beautiful flower. Now, as we go into the next verses, Paul says in verse 45, he says, so it is written. So he points them to nature first, just like, hey, this is happening all around you. But then he goes to scripture. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, the last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man is of heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the heavenly man, so are those who are of heaven. And listen to this. Just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. Wow, that verse right there. This is a verse that has just grabbed my heart for, for decades. Because the 
It's an expression of absolute certainty. As sure as you have borne the image of the earthly man, Adam, we are the descendants of Adam. And as sure as we have borne his image, we will one day bear the image of the heavenly man. But the way Paul spells it all out here, I just think it's so brilliant. You know, the, but the natural comes first and then the spiritual. So he's really, you know, despite their skepticism and sarcasm, he's really quite graciously just explaining to them, you know, this isn't all that complicated. Surely it's amazing. Surely it's miraculous. But we're dealing with God. You think of Paul when he was preaching to one of the Roman officials. And he said, why would you think it something strange that God should raise the dead? Now, the dead being raised is strange, but when you put God into the equation, that takes the strangeness out. And as, you know, some have said, sometimes it it seems a bit simple, but it it really is a reality. Look, if we can believe Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The word created there means that he created them out of nothing. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Is there anything else that would be difficult for the Lord? And so that's why Paul asks, King Agrippa, why would you think it's strange that God would raise the dead? That God would, of course, God could do anything. And what the gospel was proclaiming was that God had raised Christ from the dead and that he would raise us from the dead. So in these verses, we don't have time. You know, we're pressed for time today. And we could probably spend, I mean, we, we could actually spend a lot more time on this chapter because there's so many things in this chapter. There are so many incidentals in this chapter. Just a couple of them real quick. There's one incidental, and, and these, you know, there's an apologist in me that, that always sort of gravitates towards some of these things. But there's an apologetic against the evolutionary idea, a couple of evolutionary ideas, actually, But one idea is that all life uh, has a common origin or common ancestor. But Paul contradicts that. He says, no, humans have one kind of flesh and animals have a different kind of flesh. Evolution would teach that we all evolve from one thing. The Bible says, no, we did not do that. Another thing is Paul says here, that Adam actually was the first man. He was the first man. And he tells us that he was made of dust. Now, some Christian thinkers, in their desire to accommodate what is perceived as a more intellectual perspective on some of these things, they will compromise and come up with ideas like, well, you know, Adam and Eve, they they probably weren't the first people. You know, they probably were actually part of a Neolithic race that existed. And yet at a certain point in time, God sort of just touched them and he made them aware of his presence. And that's how they came into existence because we know that there couldn't have just been two people. And, And, you know, I mean, certain 
theologians who dabble with liberal ideas, they, they come up with these kinds of suggestions. But the problem is, Paul says that not only was Adam the first man, but he was made of the dust. He was not a descendant from a Neolithic race. He was not just a hominid that at some point God enlightened. No, he was made of dust, just like Genesis said, and just like Jesus taught. So point being, there are so many things that we could delve more deeply into here. But what I want us to see before we move into verse 50 is I want us to just think for just this moment about, again, bearing the image of the heavenly man. Bearing the image of the heavenly man. As sure as you're sitting here today, as sure as you're in a body that was passed down to you from generation to generation, beginning with Adam, as sure as that is a reality, you will bear in the future the image of the heavenly man. God has an amazing, glorious, unimaginable, unthinkable future in store for those who have trusted in him. And Jesus is the first fruits of that. He's the one. And Jesus rose, the the distinction between the resurrection of Jesus and other resurrections that we have in the Bible is, of course, that Jesus rose to never die again. Jesus rose, and he rose in a body that was the same body because he bore the, the wounds from the crucifixion, but it was also different. It was a glorified body. And so, as Paul is saying, there are earthly bodies. Those are the ones we're obviously living in now, but there are also heavenly bodies. And we, who have borne the image of the earth, The man of dust will bear the image of the man of heaven. That's what everyone who believes in Christ has to look forward to. The glorified state, ruling and reigning with Christ in a new body that is no longer subjected to sin and corruption and and all of those things that we deal with here and now. So, That brings us to the final verses here. And so Paul says in verse 50, he says, I declare to you, brothers and sisters. So this is, he's sort of, in a sense, he's summing it up, but then he's transitioning. Let's join Pastor Brian and Cheryl in the studio as they share about this month's resource. So, Brian, we're offering a book from our good friend, Charlie Campbell. Yes, Charlie Campbell is the director of Always Be Ready, which is an apologetics ministry. One we recommend a lot. Yeah, we recommend it a lot. And this is a one-minute answer to skeptics. Now, Charlie has done this book, and this is like a revised version answering 50 of the top objections and questions, kind of current things. You know, things change over time. There are different arguments and things. And what I like about this book is it's, it's an updated current addressing a lot of the things that people are, 
kind of throwing out there today as their objections to Christianity. And some of the topics that Charlie covers in this is why doesn't God just appear to us in a public setting and prove he exists? Or the New Testament authors, did they steal details of Jesus' life story from other ancient religions? This is what some skeptics say. Or that the God of the Old Testament commanded the Israelites to commit genocide? Or that the Bible condones slavery? So these are real issues in our society today, and Charlie tells you a biblical answer for these things, and it's great. Yep. So great little one-minute answer to Skeptics by Charlie Campbell. That's our offer for this month. Again, this month's resource is a book titled One-Minute Answers to Skeptics by Charlie Campbell. You can order the book One-Minute Answers to Skeptics by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it, and then click on the Donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book One Minute Answers to Skeptics by Charlie Campbell to help equip you to defend the faith. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of 1 Corinthians. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.